0: you guys excited to start the book of Jonah today? Yeah. This is going to be fun. Take out your Bibles, mobile devices, turn to the book of Jonah. It is in your Bible. Uh, you can use the table of contents if you need to. It's not, not cheating. Uh, it's between the books of Obadiah and Micah. Not sure if that's going to help you at all. Um it's in your Old Testament. If you start in Genesis and try to find it, you'll never find it. If you start in Matthew, first book of the New Testament, go back to the left seven books. you You'll be in the right place. But uh, get, find your way there uh, this morning. Um, as you're doing that, I know uh, Gary said something about how much we appreciate. The 930 service, uh, you know, the energy you guys bring and all of that, and and we do, but we are going to ask a favor of some of you guys. Um, We are dealing with a good problem to have here at Orchard Church in that we continue to keep reaching people for Christ. Amen? Amen and we continue to see people uh, coming to our church Uh, we're we're probably averaging 20 to 30 uh, new guests every week here at Orchard Church Um, we started the third service to kind of help alleviate uh, the seating and things like that we probably have 150 to 200 that come at eight o'clock we need about another 100 150 to start coming to eight o'clock from the 9 30 service that would really help us out and so look at it as a ministry opportunity it's the simplest way you can serve you're like yeah that's not simple I got to get up earlier. But if, if you are up anyway and you can make that type of sacrifice and serve in that way, that really help us out because um, it's getting harder for people to find seats in the nine thirty and the eleven. This is our biggest service. Uh, nine thirty is real close to it. So if you're able to and you say you know we could I could do that as a ministry opportunity to free seats up to start coming at eight o'clock, we'd really appreciate that. That would help us a lot. We're we're gonna beg you guys to do that on Easter Sunday to either come to Saturday night or the eight o'clock. So that we have room for all the guests at the nine thirty and eleven so be thinking about that a little bit, but that isn 't that a great problem to have at our church that we 're growing in that, in that way We praise God for that we 're reaching a lot of new people for Christ um, we're, we're up about 20-25 percent over last year in attendance and we have grown uh, over 50 percent in the last two years and so we're just amazed at what God is doing uh, to make a difference in this community well I am super excited to start the book of Jonah today we'll be doing four weeks four chapters and that'll lead us right up to Easter Sunday so as we start the book of Jonah today let me ask you this, how many of you would say you basically know the story of Jonah you pretty much know the story of Jonah raise your hand high raise them up high don't do one of these little half things okay raise them up okay most everybody's heard the story of Jonah. It's about a man uh, who, where God tells him to go, and he says no, and he runs from God. Um, he gets uh, thrown overboard. A big storm comes. He's thrown overboard. He's swallowed by a big fish. He lights a candle. He's thrown up on the shore, and he becomes a real boy. Oh, wait a minute. I got that, some of that confused with Pinocchio, but we'll, stra- <laughs> we'll straighten out the details. But, you know, I think one of the problems with a story like Jonah that we're so familiar with, we think, oh, this is just a fun little kid's story. You know, it's just a kid's story we learn in Sunday school. You know, we learn about Jonah watching Veggie Tales, some of us. Uh, we, think of, we think of Jonah, we think of Flannel Graph. Now, I'm dating myself. How many of y'all remember the flannel graph? Yeah, I grew up on the flannel graph. Uh, for some of you younger people, this is called a flannel graph. And it was a piece of flannel, and you put these characters on, and that's how you tell stories. And, you know, Technology Day has killed the flannel graph. Although, I have one of our teachers said they did use that in our kids' ministry a few weeks ago, and the kids loved it. Sometimes the old way is the best way. But, um, you know, we, we think of stuff like that when we come to the book of Jonah. But there's some amazing uh, truths and, and practical applications in the book of Jonah. I, I know God is really going to speak to some of you guys today in a very real and personal way. Uh, first service, incredible response to this. I had a lot of people going afterwards and said, man, that's exactly what I needed to hear. God really spoke to me today. You couldn't have picked a better um, book of the Bible to go through and what I'm going through in my life. So let's just go ahead and jump in here with the first three verses and kind of grab the context And with Jonah. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amiti. "...saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me." But Jonah arose to do what, church? To flee, or to run. To flee, to run to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarshish. And so he paid the fare to get on the ship, and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Jonah was a man on the run. He was running from God. God said go. Jonah said no. Uh, Those of you that have kids, have your kids ever tried to run away from home? Uh, When Caleb and Caitlin were really little, there were a couple of times they got upset about something, you know, they didn't like what we'd ask them to do. and, And so they were gonna run away from home. So you know what we did? We helped them pack their bags. We're like, okay, well, it's going to be really cold tonight. It's supposed to be below freezing. You're going to eat a lot of clothes. And I don't know where your next meal is going to come from. And you better bring a flashlight. It gets really dark out there. But they were going to run away. Now, most of the times, they never made it past the driveway. You know, they were going to run away, but they didn't really have anywhere to run to. And the truth is, sometimes even in our lives, spiritually, we can think we're going to run away from God. We're going to get away from him. We're not going to do what he's asking us to do or not do. We're going to, we're going to run away from God. And here's something, a key thing I want you to get in this story. You have it in your notes this morning. We can run from God, but we can't outrun God. We can run from God, but we can't outrun God. You know why? Because he loves us too much. He cares too much about us to let us just run away and be out there on our own. And and he's going to chase us, and he's going to pursue us. We can run from God, but we can't outrun God. You know, we're reminded of how silly this is. A couple of weeks ago here in Denver, we made national news. Remember the carjacker we all watched? Uh, Gary and I were working out at the gym, and it came on, and we we were glued to it, watching this guy trying to run from the law enforcement officers. You know, he ran for about two hours. He could run, but you can't outrun the law. I mean, they had a helicopter following his every move. We watched him get in two different cars, and he could run, but he couldn't outrun. And the same is true... In our spiritual lives. We can run from God, but we can't outrun God. And we're going to learn some things about Jonah trying to outrun God in this story. Let me give you just a little bit of context as we jump into this book. Most people believe uh, that Jonah was actually the writer of this book, and he's telling his own story, and he's writing it down for us. And, and, And Jonah was known as the reluctant prophet. He was a prophet of God, but he was known as the reluctant prophet. Prophets were uh, called by God to go and share God's truth with other people. And Jonah was asked to do that with the people of Nineveh, but he didn't want to go. Something interesting in my studies, I realized is Jonah's father was also a prophet. And so he was the son of a prophet. His name, Jonah's name means dove. We think of a dove, we think of the sign of peace. But as you watch Jonah's story, this is anything but a peaceful story. He's in turmoil trying to run from God throughout this story. He was the son of a man named Amiti, it says here uh, in the first three verses. His, his dad's name was Amiti, and that, that word name Amiti means truth, which is a great name for a prophet, you know, his name meaning truth, because they were to speak God's truth. So Jonah was the son of a man named Truth, very interesting, but yet he didn't want to share the truth. And God called Jonah to go as a prophet to speak for God against a wicked city. What was the city's name? Everybody say Nineveh. Now, don't get that confused with Narnia, okay? It's Nineveh, not Narnia. That's important because one of them is a real uh, true city. Uh, Nineveh, history tells us, was a city, the capital city of Assyria, Israel's worst enemy. It was a capital city. And so a lot of people, when they study the book of Jonah and they go to the Bible and they want to disprove the Bible... They go to the story of Jonah and there's like, there's no way that, that a guy got thrown overboard and swallowed by a fish and was in the fish's belly for three days and then got vomited up, and, you know, and they, they try to pick the part, the Bible, with a story like Jonah and they say that's just a fictitious story, kind of like, you know, Narnia. But it's not Narnia, it's, it's Nineveh. This is a real place, a real city about a real man and what God did. Now, I, but I understand for some people, the story of Jonah is a little hard to swallow, It can, it can seem a little facetious. Okay, I won't do those too often. I know that's really bad. But this is a real story. In the capital city of Nineveh in Assyria, Israel's worst enemy, Israel hated them. You'll understand why in a moment when I give you a little bit of the history. But God is going to show us all today as we go through the story that there's a little bit of Jonah in us at times, There's a little bit of Jonah that shows in us when we think we can run away from God. What happens in verse 1, it says, the first thing that happens, the the word of the Lord. Everybody say, word of the Lord. The word of the Lord came and spoke to Jonah. God loves to speak to his people and give them instructions and tell them what he wants them to do or not do. This is really going to speak to some of you today because the word of the Lord is going to speak to you today. You know, in the Old Testament, a lot of times when God would speak, He would show up and He would speak audibly before we had the completed Word of God. Or He would speak through prophets like Jonah. Today, we have the completed Word of God. God speaks to us today through His Word, the Word of the Lord and His Holy Spirit and the church and circumstances. Do you believe that God still speaks to us today, church? Absolutely He does. But when He speaks to us, we have a decision to make like Jonah did. What are we going to do? Are we going to obey God? Are we going to go or are we going to say no? Are we going to do what he asks us to do? Are we, going to, are we going to stop doing what he asks us to stop doing? And I want, to, I want you to see today in this first chapter four ways the Jonah in us shows up in this story when God speaks to us. The first way is this if you have it you, you're taking notes. Number one, God will often ask you to do things that you don't really want to do. We've all been there, haven't we? God will sometimes ask you. To do things you don't really want to do for for Jonah in verse 2 it says arise and go to Nineveh that great city and cry out against it for their wickedness has come up before me Jonah didn't want to do that you see here's the problem sometimes when God comes to us and asks us to do something we don't really want to do we want to say no because we think we've got a better idea we think we know what's best we, we, we think we have a better direction a better decision than what God has We see this happen as parents with our kids all the time, don't we? We try to tell our kids, you know, do this. It's good for you. Don't do that. It's not good for you. It can be harmful to you. No, they think they know better. They think they know what's best. They don't want to listen to mom and dad. And we can be the same with God as God's children. I remember this one story Shelly loves to tell when Caleb, our son, uh, he's 18 now. He was uh, four or five at the time. And, and Caleb used to, when he would get some money, he'd get an allowance or get some money in a card. Man, he would burn a hole in his pocket. He's gotten much better now. But he used to, man, he'd get a dollar or 50 cents, he'd have to spend it right then. And one day he had 50 cents in his pocket and he went to Walmart uh, with, with Shelly, with his mom, and they were leaving Walmart and he had, he, had, he had resisted the temptation to buy anything inside a Walmart, but all those vending machines got him. And he's getting ready to walk out and there were all these bubble gum machines and vending machines. And there was one machine that was 50 cents and that's all he had. And it was for NFL helmets, these little, little miniature helmets. And they were in these little plastic th- containers. And he's a big Dallas Cowboy fan. And so he looked in there and he saw a Dallas Cowboy helmet and he had 50 cents. He just knew if he put 50 cents in he'd get a Dallas Cowboy helmet. Now there were a lot of other helmets in there. And so his mom, they're going back and forth. She's like, Caleb, I don't think that's a good idea. You know, the chances of you getting that helmet are very slim because that one is not going to drop. There's, there's one done that, and they went back and forth. But he thought he knew best. He thought he had a better way, a better decision. And so finally, his mom said, okay, if you, that's what you want to do, it's your 50 cents, go ahead. He put his 50 cents in, turned the thing, the thing dropped out. He pulled it out. He looked at his helmet. Guess what it was? Nope, way worse. It was a raider's helmet. <laughs> True story. Hey, he took it, he threw it down and he goes, that was stupid. <laughs> that was stupid. He should have listened to mom. And how many times in our life does God ask us to do something we don't really want to do and we find a way around it and then later we go, oh, that was stupid. That was stupid. What was I thinking? God knows best. Now, why didn't Jonah, I think a fair question is, why didn't Jonah want to go to Nineveh? What's the big deal? He was a prophet. You know, why why, why did he have such a hard time with this? Uh, Let me give you a little bit of history of Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, the worst enemies of Israel that they hated. The Assyrian empire was notorious for attacking cities and conquering them. And when they would attack them, they would torture the people in the cities in very barbaric brutal ways history tells us that the assyrians were so ruthless in their torture that when cities would get word that the assyrians were coming to attack them entire cities would commit suicide they said we'd rather commit suicide than go through the torture of these barbaric assyrians and Jonah knew of this When they would come into a city, they would rape the women, they would torture the kids. They would take the men and they would keep them alive. And they had perfected the art of skinning men alive. And and if that wasn't bad enough, they would skin them alive and then they would bury them in the sand. They would pull out their tongue and they would stake their tongue to the ground and then make them listen to Justin Bieber music all day long. Okay, that part's not true, but the rest is. And then when they were dead, this is true. They would behead the men and they would take their heads and they would stack them in front of the gates of the city as a reminder to the world, don't mess with the Assyrians. This is what we'll do to you. And God comes to the prophet Jonah and says, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to tell them how wicked they are. (laughs) Now do you understand the dilemma a little bit better? Maybe we could cut Jonah a little bit of slack and show a little bit of mercy. Jonah's, Jonah's like, I don't want to do that. I don't think that's a good idea And he had every excuse in the world to come up with To say no instead of saying yes I'll go But the Jonah also shows up in our lives at times doesn't it When God speaks to us And he has something that he wants us to do And we make up reasons and excuses that make humanly all the sense in the world To disobey what God is asking And we say you know I I don't really want to do that God that doesn't make sense. Maybe God comes and he says, I want you to, hey, I want you to forgive that person that did you wrong you've been bitter against for years and years and years. And we say, oh, but here's what they did to me. And We rationalize it and we figure out ways to not do what God asked us to do. God says, maybe he comes and he says, I want you to serve in this ministry, in this way. And we say, oh, well, uh, I'm, not, I'm not adequate. I'm not equipped. You know, God, you can't use me. And We come up with excuses to not do what God has asked us to do. Maybe God comes to us and he says, listen, I want you to share your faith with that, that person, that, that coworker that doesn't know Christ, that neighbor, that friend, that family member, that fellow student in your school. God, God says, I want you to share your faith with them, invite them to church, introduce them to me, and we, we make up all reasons and excuses not to do it. We just came off two weeks of tithing, and this is all I'm going to say. But God has called some of you to step out on faith and tithe, and you find all reasons not to say yes to God. Thankfully, about a hundred of you signed up for the 9 day tithe challenge and said yes to God. Will you follow through? God calls us, sometimes this is, the, this is one of the hardest ones. He calls us Away from relationships that could be very unhealthy and damaging to us. But we go, oh, but she smells so good. She's so cute. He's so cute. He looks so good in those jeans. But I love how I feel when I'm with them. And God says, yeah, but that's not who I have for you. And we say no. Instead of going with what God is asking us to do. And we make excuses not to do what God has told us. And the Jonah in us shows up. And here's, here's what we do a lot of times. We say, okay, God, I'll do that, but I'm gonna, I want to do it later. You know, I'll do it later in my life. When I get married, when I settle down. When I have kids and settle down, you know, I'll do it later. You know, I'll do it next month or I'll do it next year. I'll do that. And, and, and we wait and we say no to God by waiting. And I want you to put this in your notes. My pastor used to say this and I've never forgot it. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Parents, would you agree with that statement? Yeah, we like that as parents. But when you flip it around in our relationship with God, it's a little more difficult. Delayed obedience is disobedience. And parents, we, we gotta be careful with this one. And we've all done it, I've done it. You know, one of the parenting techniques. You know, hey, come here, come here, come come here. Don't make me come over there. Don't make me come over there. You come here, don't. One. Two. Two and and a half. Two and three. And we're teaching our kids that delayed obedience is okay. And delayed obedience is disobedience. And this is not a parenting series, but, you know, we got to think about that as parents. Here's where this comes in very practically, and very important. Kids about ready to run out on the street. Hey, don't run out on the street. Don't run out on the street. Bam. We don't want to teach our kids to delay obedience. And God doesn't want his children delaying obedience. Amen? But sometimes we say, well, I'll do it, but I'll do it later. And the Jonah in us will show up. And God will often ask you and I to do things we don't really want to do. And then we have a choice. Am I going to obey or not? Am I going to go or say no? Number two, here's another thing how the Jonah in us shows up. When God speaks to us and there's something we don't really want to do, you can always find a boat sailing in the wrong direction. You can always find a way to go in the opposite direction of what God has said. It says, verse 3, but Jonah arose to flee to run to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa. Let me show you this on a map so you can get your bearings of this story. And I apologize, it's a little bit blurry, but uh, this is Joppa. This is Israel right here and Jonah lived in this area right here. Now God called him to go to Nineveh up here in the northeast in Assyria. To go to the east instead he went down in the opposite direction from Nineveh to Joppa and he got on a boat and it says he sailed all the way to the west to Tarshish that would be in like southern Spain today so Nineveh's over here today will be Syria and Tarshish is over here it's 2,694 miles from Tarshish to Nineveh he went in the exact opposite direction of where God called him to go. At this time, this was the known world. He went as far away as he could physically get from where God was calling him to go in the known world. He went in the opposite direction. History tells us that to get on a ship and sail in Jonah's day from Joppa to Tarshish, it would be about a year's journey. It would take a year to get there, to run in the opposite direction from God. That's a lot of running, to run for a year. A year. That's a lot of running. And some of you, if you're honest this morning, you can relate. Because the Jonah has showed up in you. God spoke to you a week ago, a month ago, years ago, and you're still running. You're still running. And I'll say it again we can run from God, but we cannot outrun God. We cannot outrun his presence. Now, here's what happens sometimes, we don't necessarily say, okay, I'm going I'm to go get on a ship or a plane and physically run like Jonah did, I'm just going to drift. And usually when we're drifting, we don't even realize we're drifting away from God. We, we were on vacation in Hawaii several years ago, and I, I decided I wanted to try some surfing. Wasn't a real good idea, but I thought I would try it. I was really just trying to stand up on a board uh, for a few seconds, and I was with the guy that was trying to help me, and I, we were sitting on the board. And, you know, first wave that I saw, I'm like, let's do it. And he's like, oh, no, that's not a good one. And you got to wait for just the right wave. And I'm like, how did they know which one? But they know. And so we're waiting and we're waiting. And, and um, you know, Shelly was, was on the shore and some other friends of ours. And, and there was a hotel there, and we could kind of see them. And we were out there trying to catch these waves for about 45 minutes to an hour. And then when it was time to come in, I look up, and, I, and, and nothing in front of me was familiar. I mean, nowhere was my family, I couldn't see the hotel, I couldn't see anything that was in front of me before, and what I didn't realize is we had just drifted down the shore over an hour. We get back to the shore, we had to walk like half a mile carrying our boards all the way back. We didn't even realize we'd, we drifted. And sometimes in the Christian life, it's not so much that we run from God, it's we just drift from God. You know, maybe there was a time in your life that you said, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get my family in church. I'm gonna get in church and you come to church and man, you walk in and you just feel the presence of God and God speaks to you. I mean, the worship is incredible. It's moving. You feel like you're connecting with God. God's word is open and it's like, did somebody call pastor this week and tell him what was going on in my life? I mean, ha- I can't believe how that spoke to me. It's like, it was my story and, and, and we, God's doing things in our life and then we say, you know, I wanna get in a small group and get connected with some other believers who will love me and care for me and pray for me and know that i'm not in this christian life alone and and then we go i'd like to be discipled i want to get grounded in the word of god and i want to be able to disciple other people that's what jesus told us to do and, and we're doing this man and it's like right in the center of god's will and god's plan for our life and it's amazing and then one day we go ah you know that discipleship that's a little tough it takes too much time it's not a good season of my life i'm going to put that on hold for a while and we begin to drift you know, small group is great, but, you know, we got a lot of other things going on, and we're just too busy, and we'll, we'll do it next time, and we begin to drift. You know, um, we got, it's so nice outside today. We'll, we'll skip church this week. We'll make it next week. And then we say, we'll make it next week. And if we're not careful, sometimes we'll wake up and we'll wonder, how did I get here? And we won't recognize any of our surroundings because we have drifted from God. We've drifted away from God. See, when we disobey what God is telling us to do, whether it's intentional or unintentional, we're either drifting from God or running from God like Jonah. And at times, there's a little Jonah in all of us. So God will speak to you, and he'll often ask you to do things you really don't want to do. And you can always find a boat sailing in the wrong direction to get on, or you can just drift away. But here's the third thing. Because you can run from God, but you can't outrun God. God may send a storm to get your attention. To bring you back. I want to read verses 4 through 12. Our biggest section this morning. And listen to what happens in the story. Some of you know it, some of you don't. Jonah is running from God, trying to get away from God. He's going in the wrong direction. And verse 4 says, But the who church? The Lord. Everybody say the Lord. The Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea. God is going to get Jonah's attention. You can run from God, but you can't outrun God. He is going to send a supernatural, divinely appointed storm to get his attention. Because he loves him. He cares for him. He's got something for his life that's best. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea. So that the ship was about to be broken up. And this was unlike any storm that these... Uh, the people the sailors on the ship had ever seen i mean they lived on the water but this was this was unlike any storm this was a divinely appointed storm and then the mariners were afraid and every man cried out to his god these were probably pagan sailors that, that worshiped all kinds of false gods and they threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load to try to save the ship but jonah had gone down to the lowest part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep have you noticed in the first five verses how many times we read the word down That's not an accident. Jonah went down to Joppa. Jonah Jonah went down to the ship. Jonah was asleep down in the ship. He laid down. Whenever you run from God, you do not go up, you go down. We'll see next week, Jonah begin to go up, and we'll see that change. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Why are you sleeping? Arise, call on your God. He's like, We're having a prayer meeting up here trying to save this ship. And you're sleeping. Come on, join us. Perhaps your God, whoever he is, will consider us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots. They're going to conduct a little lottery and figure out whose fault this is, that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on who? On Jonah. And then they said to him, please tell us for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What have you done? What is your occupation? Where did you come from? What is your country? And what people are you? And so he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord. He lets them know that he serves the one true Jehovah God. And notice he says, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord. Well, that's debatable at this point in Jonah's life, isn't it? It's like a lot of believers. Oh, I'm a Christian. I fear the Lord. Really? Does your life represent that? He says, I fear the Lord, then God of heaven, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land, which at this point Jonah probably wishes he would have stayed on. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, why have you done this? For the men knew that he was fleeing, running from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. And then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. And then the sea will become calm for you. Because I know that this great tempest is because of me. God is sending a storm to get Jonah's attention. Jonah is running from God, but he can't outrun God. Because verse 4 says, when he was running from God and he got on the ship trying to go all the way to Tarshish, 2,500 miles away, but the lord this is that's a huge turning point in this story but the lord stepped in to get his attention because he loved him and cared about him you see when you and i run from god we will have some but the lord moments we're trying to get away but the lord tries to get our attention and jonah realized this was his his fault and that god was trying to get his attention and let me say this to you guys listen to me for some of you, there may be a storm in your life right now, and it's God trying to get your attention, and you've brought it on yourself. Now, now listen to me. I'm not saying that every storm that comes into our life is because we've done something wrong and we're running from God, because sometimes God allows storms to come into our life to grow our faith and draw us closer to Him, amen? But sometimes, like Jonah, when we're running from God, he sends a divinely appointed storm to get our attention. And in 24 years of full-time vocational ministry with students, with singles, with young marrieds, you know, with with middle-aged, with more mature Christians, I have seen God try to get people's attention when they're running from God. And some of you have seen it too. Some of you are seeing it right now, either in your life or somebody you care about. And I would ask this question, what is it going to take for God to get your attention? If you're running from Him. What's it going to take? What's the but the Lord moment going to look like in your life? Maybe for some of you, you're starting to drift or run from God. and, And this story, this book is exactly what you need today to get your attention. So God doesn't have to send a storm. Better to learn from Jonah's storm. Amen? Maybe today is the day that God's trying to get your attention. Because here's the deal. If the storm isn't enough... And God will take it a step further. And the fourth thing we see is this, that Jonah's worst nightmare was exactly what he needed. God allows Jonah's worst nightmare to take place, but it's exactly what he needed to get back on track with God. Look at verse 13 to 17. It says, nevertheless, the men rowed hard. Row, row, row your boat. The, the, men, the men cared enough about Jonah. We don't know how, how long they were into this journey. Was it you know a week, a month? I think it was probably several months into this journey. They had gotten to know Jonah. They cared about Jonah. They were, he had become their friend. What's interesting in the story is the sailors cared more about Jonah. Pagan sailors cared more about Jonah than Jonah cared about the people in Nineveh. And they were like, no, we're not going to throw you overboard. You'll die. You'll drown. And so they're like, well, we'll just try to row the boat and get to shore. But they're going to learn what we all learn. You cannot fight the plan of God. You cannot fight God's will. You can't, you, you can't beat it. And it says, nevertheless, the men rowed hard to return to land, but they could not. For the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they cried out to the Lord. Now they're crying, on, crying out to Jonah's God, the true God. And they said, we pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life. And do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. They recognized this was God's way to get Jonah's attention and turn him around. So they picked up Jonah And they threw him into the sea. And I can just see the scene. They got Jonah, two guys. Okay, we've tried everything. We're going to die if we don't throw him into the sea. One, two. Okay, do we throw on three or after three? And three, they throw him into the sea. And the sea ceased, verse 15, from its raging. Stopped, just like that. God calmed it. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. I'll bet they did. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. They felt bad about what they had to do. But look at verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. A few verses before, there was a but the Lord moment, a storm. Now it's a now the Lord moment. And it's a nightmare. God prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And let me just deal with this real quickly here. There's a lot of debate. You know, was it a whale? Was it some other kind of fish? We don't know. I don't care. I just know the Lord prepared it. Amen? It, it, I, I really don't think it was a whale. My own, this is my own personal opinion. Take it or leave it. It says the Lord had prepared a great fish. I think it was a divinely appointed supernatural fish prepared for Jonah in this moment. Possibly unlike any other fish that's ever been in the sea. I think God could handle that. He made the rest of them. But he prepared. This is the key. He prepared this fish. This nightmarish moment to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Jonah's worst nightmare has taken place. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish. I mean, he, he's on the boat. He's trying to run from God. The storm is about to sink the boat. They finally throw him overboard. He thinks he's going to drown. He's sinking down, thinking he's good as dead. And then a fish comes and swallows him. This is a rough day. This is a bad day for Jonah. This is a nightmare situation. This is a now the Lord moment. Now the Lord prepares a great fish to swallow him. But this was exactly what Jonah needed at this point in his life. Because God loved him. And, and I'll talk more about this next week, but God was not trying to pay Jonah back. He was trying to win him back. And the worst possible scenario that God provided, the now the Lord moment, was exactly what he needed. Some of you right now in your life, you might be facing a now the Lord moment. It started with a but the Lord moment, it was a storm, now it's a now the Lord moment and it's a nightmare. You might be facing a now the Lord moment with your finances. You might be facing a now the Lord moment, a nightmare situation in a relationship. You might be facing a now the Lord moment emotionally or with your health. And God may be saying, okay, now that I have your full attention, are you ready to listen to me? Are you ready to trust me? Are you ready to obey me? Because you can run from God, but you cannot outrun God. And I'll say it again, I don't believe that all bad things that happen to us are because we are running from God. But sometimes they are. Sometimes like Jonah we have to look in the mirror and realize, I brought this on myself and God loves me so much, He's pursuing me. He's trying to turn me around, He's trying to get my attention and that nightmare is exactly what I needed. Some of you, as I'm talking about this this morning, you can go back to a nightmare time in your life and say, boy, I would have never wished that on anybody. It was a nightmare situation. It was a storm in my life, but it's exactly what I needed at that time for God to get my attention. And if you don't have that story, I certainly do. That's one of the reasons I think why I love Jonah's story so much. It's, it's a story about the fact that we serve a God of second chances. Amen. We have a God of second chances and sometimes third and fourth chances. And I can identify with Jonah's story because Jonah has been inside of me at times. For me, there was a nightmare situation that took place in my life that I would never wish on anybody, but it was exactly what I needed to turn my life around. Happened in 1988. I was um, getting ready to go into my senior year of college at the University of Oklahoma I had enrolled in uh, University of Oklahoma in uh, 1986 the fall as a freshman and I had a grandmother on my dad's side that I was very 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 close to you know we never want to say we had a favorite grandma or grandpa but we did and this grandmother and I were very close I lived in the dorm my freshman year at University of Oklahoma I was two hours away from home I grew up in Tulsa and I, would, I lived in the dorm, and I would go down, and we had all our mailboxes, and I would go to the mailbox, and open the mailbox, and every, this is a true story, every single day of my freshman year of college, first time away from home, I had a letter in my mailbox from my grandmother. Every single day of my freshman year, just to say, I'm praying for you, I'm encouraging you. And she used to always say, Doug, I know God has big plans for you. I know God has big plans for you." And she knew something about my life that a lot of people didn't know. She knew that I was called into full-time vocational ministry when I was in middle school, eighth grade. God spoke to my heart, said, I want you to be a pastor, I want you to be in ministry. I knew it. I knew that's what God wanted and that was my plan until I turned 16. And like most teenagers, I got a car and I started working and I got a girlfriend. Youth group was on Wednesday night, and I stopped, you know, after a while, I said, ah, you know, I don't have to go to a youth group, as long as I go to church on Sunday, and I stopped, and I started drifting. And then I said, oh, you know, I don't, I don't have to go to church every Sunday, you know, maybe if I go every other, that's pretty good. And I was going to a Christian school at the time, so I was like, you know, I really don't need to go to church, because I go to a Christian school, and they have, you know, a chapel there, that's good enough. And I began to drift, and drift, and drift, and then by the time I graduated from high school, I wasn't just drifting from God, I was running from God. And instead of going to Bible college and going into full-time ministry, I pursued a career in music, music education. Uh, I'm a percussionist, a drummer, and I was going to go off and, you know, be a high school uh, band director or drumline instructor or at a college or something like that. And so I enrolled. And I knew in my heart I was running from God. And my grandmother was so sweet. She never really pointed it out. She just always said, I know God has big plans for you. I know God has big plans for you. And, and... The summer of 1988, after my junior year, I'd I'd done three years of school, and I was so dissatisfied with the direction of my life. I knew I wasn't doing what God wanted, but I thought, I could fix this on my own. It's too late to go into ministry, so I changed my major. I figured that'll fix it. I thought, I'm going to go into sports broadcasting. You know, I like sports, and I I, I can do that, and I like to talk, and I know that surprises you guys. And so, I was like, I'll do that. And I was trying everything to fix my life when I couldn't fix my life because I was running from God. And I got a call about a week before my senior year started at at, at University of Oklahoma that my grandmother, who had been a picture of health, no problems at all, had gone into the hospital. My mom said, your grandmother's in the hospital. She's having some stomach pains. And to make a long story short, she went into the hospital, and three weeks later, she died, never got out of the hospital, of pancreatitis. And God took her. And I remember when I went to the funeral, and I was at the graveside, and I was standing by the casket, and most everybody else had left. And I was in tears. And I was standing there at the casket, not wanting to say goodbye to my grandmother. And a man walked up to me. I didn't realize it at the time, but he was the youth director at the church my my grandmother attended in Missouri. And he put his arms around me and he said, you know your grandmother loved you. And I said, yeah. And I loved my grandmother. And he said, you know, your grandmother, when she would talk about you, she would always say, God has big plans for my grandson. He goes, I don't know. How to say it to you, but I know that what she would want me to say to you today Is god still has big plans for you And that was the turning point in my life And I went off to bible college into full-time vocational ministry God allowed a storm and a nightmare to come in my life To get my attention and I can look back now and as much as I miss my grandmother But I know i'll see her again one day forever in heaven It was exactly what I needed It was exactly what I needed because you can run from God, but you can't outrun God. And when the word of the Lord comes to you, and it will come to you, and, he, and God wants you to do something you don't really want to do, you've got a choice. Are you going to obey, or are you going to run? Are you going to allow the Jonah in you to show up? And if you want to run from God, you can always find a ship sailing in the wrong direction. But God loves you so much, He may send a storm to get your attention. A but the Lord moment. And if that doesn't do it, he might send a now the Lord moment and God may allow you to face your worst nightmare. Not because he's trying to pay you back, because he's trying to win you back. And because he loves you and he has something for you and he knows what is best. And you're gonna, man, next week, you're gonna see that pour out of chapter two in Jonah's prayer. I mean, if you like this week, next week's even better. But as we close today, are you running? You can run, but you cannot outrun God. And for some of you, I believe God is wanting to speak to you today. And the word of the Lord is this. Are you you tired of running? It's time to stop running from God and run to God. Run into his loving arms today. Would you bow your heads with me with heads bowed and eyes closed? How's God speaking to you? With heads bowed and uh, eyes closed for just a moment, if you're here this morning and you would say, as a believer in Jesus Christ, I know I've been running from God. Maybe nobody else knows it, but you know it. I've been running from God. I've been drifting from God. And I want to stop today. I want to remember Jonah's story. I want to remember that that was the time that I stopped running. Has God gotten your attention today? And I just want to pray for you with heads bowed, eyes closed. Nobody looking around but me. Would you slip up your hands and say, God has spoken to me today. I need to turn around and stop running. I need to stop drifting. Can I pray for you? Would you lift up your hands all across the auditorium? Lift them up high. God bless you. God bless you. Hands in every section. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for all those today who your word has come to them. You've spoken to them. It's time to stop running. It's time to stop drifting. I pray they would learn from Jonah's mistake, that you would have their attention today. That they would realize that maybe right now there's, there's a storm, there's a nightmare because you love them and you're trying to turn them around and back to you. And I pray today would be a time of turning back to you where they would not run from you but to you and into your loving, gracious, merciful arms today with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you may not know this, but you've been running from God your whole life. You see, we're either running to God or from God. And if you've never invited Jesus who died for you into your life, you're running from God. You're away from God. But the great news is today, you can turn around. You can turn to God. You can run into His arms. You can have your sins forgiven. You can have eternal life. You can have a home in heaven. No matter what you've done, we serve a God of second chances. And are you ready today to just say, I surrender, I'm I'm gonna give my life to Jesus. I don't wanna run from him anymore, I wanna run to him. If you are, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer of faith right now. I'll help you with the words. And if you'll repeat this prayer after me and you'll, you'll put faith behind it, not empty words, but faith and belief behind it, you can run to God today and you can be forgiven, you can be saved, you can have eternal life. And if you're ready to pray that prayer, it goes like this, pray it with me in faith. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe You died on the cross for me to pay for my sins that separated me from You. I don't want to be separated any longer. I don't want to run from You. I want to run to You. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life today. Be my Lord and my Savior. Thank You, Jesus, for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but listen, if you just prayed that prayer of faith, it's the greatest decision you could ever make to run into the arms of Jesus. And I want to pray for you this morning. I want to celebrate with you in your decision. And I want to pray for you. So would you just slip up your hand just so I can see it real quick? Yes, I prayed that prayer of faith today to invite Jesus into my life. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. God bless you. Yes, Yes, sir. God bless you. Ma'am, God bless you. Yes, God bless you, ma'am. Thank you. Anyone else? Yes, today I prayed that prayer of faith to invite Jesus into my life. I don't want to run from him anymore. Anyone else? God bless you on my left. Thank you. Anyone else? Several hands. Anyone else? Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for those in first and second service that stopped running today from you and ran to you and into your arms. Lord, because we can run from you, but we can't outrun you because you love us too much. Thank you that you've been pursuing these people every day of their life until they came to this point to invite you into their life as Lord and Savior. We celebrate, we rejoice. A party has broken out in heaven, the Bible says, among the angels. And the same should happen here at Orchard Church. Thank you for their decision today. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know how to respond, church, to that. Amen.